Welcome to The Point Being, a weekly podcast with all you need to know updates in the world of opinion polling. I'm Kate Morris, data journalist with Ipsos, and I'm joined by my colleague, Sarah Feldman. Hey. Also a data journalist at Ipsos, and Mallory Newell. Hi there. Public opinion research lead at Ipsos, and Chris Jackson. Greetings. Welcome awesome. back to Chris and Kate. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, we took a bit of an exodus last week. Thanks so much to you and Sarah for holding down the fort while we were gone. Um, let's dive right in. Sarah, what's happening this week? Well, uh, finally, at last, it is Infrastructure Week. It's always Infrastructure Week. It's always Infrastructure Week, but this time we actually mean it. Um, we'll be looking at some of the political aftershocks of the stimulus and what it might mean for the real true infrastructure week this time around. Um, we'll be diving into some of the pre-pandemic issues that are re-emerging for the public. And we cannot forget that it is opening day for baseball. So we'll be diving into how the public is feeling about that. But before we get into all of that, Chris, I just wanna do some level setting for all of our listeners out there. How are people feeling about Biden's priorities? Yeah, so, you know, we're still in a period where coronavirus is the top issue for the country, though I think it is starting to be a little bit more of a fluctuation. Um, in a, a re relatively recent Reuters Ipsos poll, we found that a plurality of Americans said COVID or coronavirus was was their number one issue. Um, but it was followed pretty closely after that by the economy and just after that by employment and jobs. And if you sort of roll economy and jobs together, you really actually see more people prioritizing that than COVID even, which I think is sort of reflecting a little bit of that shift from the really dominant coronavirus, uh, which is really what the, I think the situation was for most of 2020, to a little bit more of the recovery. And then there's other issues uh, that are also starting to sort of percolate around uh, immigration, racial inequality, things like that, um, that are important, certainly for some groups, but not for others. Um, so coronavirus, and for instance, you know, independents and Democrats put that up as a pretty high priority, Republicans less so. Everyone sort of is prioritizing the economy and jobs, but immigration is just really a Republican issue. Uh, independents and Democrats are much less concerned about it right now. So you are starting to see a little bit of a, a fracturing of the major issue landscape. Um, and when it comes to sort of how people are looking at Biden, uh, he's actually we're seeing his overall approval ratings remaining pretty solid in the sort of mid 50s territory. So a little more than half of Americans approving of him. And just, you know, for for reference, remember that uh, Donald Trump tended to be somewhere in the mid 40s, um, low to mid 40s, his approval rating for most of his presidency. And it sort of dropped down to the high to mid 30s right before he left office. Um, so Biden's sort of mid 50s is a pretty solid place. It's certainly not as high as Barack Obama's numbers were when he went into office. But Obama lost ground throughout the first year of his presidency, and he ended up being somewhere in the 40s for a lot of his presidency as well, um, the higher 40s rather than the lower 40s, but still. Um, so Biden's approval rating is actually pretty solid, and it is pretty clearly because of people thinking he's doing a good job handling the pandemic. When we ask people to evaluate Biden on different topics, we see that 
two thirds of Americans or more, depending exactly on how you ask the question, approve of how he's handling the coronavirus or, or COVID-19. Um, and that really does seem to be the thing that's sort of lifting him. So and it's it's probably good that the main issue I think most people say is the main issue is the thing he's seen as doing well on. But, you know, his numbers on sort of all the other topics that are out there are not quite as positive. They're not bad. They're not necessarily negative. Um, but they're definitely not nearly as solid as coronavirus numbers, uh, which really do seem to be sort of uh, the leading agenda for him uh, to date. And, you know, we can see that through sort of the agenda he's he's really been focusing on for his the first, I guess, what were we at, like 70 days of his administration, where it's been a number of, of briefings about uh, the vaccine rollouts, you know, lots of announcements related to the vaccines. And, and then, of course, the passage of the American Rescue Plan, which was, you know, really the COVID stimulus uh, bill, uh, which also uh, we saw lots of uh, support for. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I know, as you mentioned, Chris, is a huge uh, winning point for Biden, the Biden administration is the stimulus bill. There's big questions about whether he'll be able to do something similar, given the partisan landscape for infrastructure. Um, Mallory, can you talk us through exactly why and how Biden is performing on the stimulus and kind of tease a little bit what's happening, what might be happening with the infrastructure given that political context? Yeah, happy to. You know, as as Americans are starting to actually get their hands on some of those Biden bucks or that Uncle Joe money, <laughs> as some people around here have been calling it, um, it, it's definitely started to filter into the collective consciousness. And Americans are are pleased with this new wave of uh, stimulus efforts. Um, we released some polling with Reuters a couple weeks ago that showed widespread support. About seven in 10 Americans were supportive of the American Rescue Plan. And, you know, frankly, that is kind of in lockstep with historical figures for you know, big stimulus packages like this. We saw support for earlier stimulus packages last year during the beginning of the pandemic. And even before that, Americans do tend to feel positive about um, this, this particular type of government spending, this influx of cash into our economy. Um, and because it is infrastructure week, we will be releasing some new polling soon, again, with our partners at Reuters, about how Americans feel about the infrastructure plan, um, because it is infrastructure week. It is Pete Buttigieg excitedly biking around D.C., and I'm, I'm looking forward to see if Americans are kind of feeling as positive about the infrastructure plan, $2 trillion, uh, as they do about the stimulus. And then this week, we also dove in a little bit deeper about what Americans plan to do with their stimulus check once they receive it. And I think that's an open question. It's something, you know, Chris and I were talking about that the other day and just anecdotally hearing from people around here. And and it's kind of a mixed bag, honestly, Sarah. You know, some Americans are planning to use it, actually close to half, according to our polling, are planning to use it for sort of basic household needs like rent or mortgage or food or using it to pay down debt, right? So um, 
just kind of covering their existing living expenses rather than an influx of cash back into the economy per se. Others are planning to spend it on other items, um, but frankly, there's one thing that I found interesting was that there's a fair number here, just over one in three, that say that they're actually planning to save their stimulus check for future use. And that was consistent with when we asked this question last year. You know, you have a, a good proportion of the American public that are just planning to pocket it for a rainy day. So with all that in mind, you know, this question kind of raises some additional questions for me, which is, with so many Americans planning to not necessarily put their stimulus check back into the economy, but hang on to it, you know, I'm wondering how confident Americans are when it comes to, you know, long-term consumer confidence and long-term spending. Well, fortunately, we actually have the answers to that. So while we know how people plan to spend this one particular check, if not now in the future, um, our if so, Forbes Advisor um, Consumer Confidence Tracker data is showing some really interesting movement this week. Chris, I was wondering if you could elaborate a bit on that. Yeah, so we've been tracking American consumer confidence every week since the pandemic began. Before that, we were tracking it on a monthly basis, but you know, when catastrophe strikes, we wanted to make sure we were keeping a more regular uh, check on what was happening. And uh, consumer confidence, uh, we've talked about this before, but consumer confidence through 2020 after sort of the big drop at the start of the pandemic was pretty fitful. It was sort of moving up slowly, but was really sort of uh, not very consistently moving up. And particularly when there were big coronavirus surges, we'd see it sort of flat, uh, flatten or even sort of go down a little bit. Um, but what we've seen over the last two, two and a half months is a pretty consistent upward trend in American consumer confidence really since uh, shortly after uh, Biden came into office. And I think really once the vaccine rollout sort of kicked into gear in earnest and we started seeing sort of mass vaccination campaigns uh, happen, we've seen consumer confidence pretty much every week climbing, which indicates that the American consumer are feeling better about sort of how the economy is shaped. And we're seeing it across a number of different, uh, different domains. And I think it's particularly notable that uh, it is now, American consumer confidence now is essentially at levels that are sort of historically normal. Um, so it's essentially made up a lot of ground uh, from the big losses that we saw uh, in last March and April um, to essentially get back to a historical, historical normal level. It's certainly not as high as it was in early 2020 when we were sort of at a bit of a peak uh, where the economy had been, you know, rallying for, uh, you know, essentially uh, – 10 years at that point. Um, but still, I think it is notable because after the Great Recession in 2009, it essentially took five years for consumer confidence to sort of recover to that sort of, you know, baseline level. And we're seeing it happening on a number of different indicators. So the, the point Mallory was just making, uh, we see a majority of Americans actually say that they're more comfortable now making household purchases. Uh, and now actually a majority of Americans say that they're more comfortable making large purchases like cars or houses or, or you know, sort of big ticket items like that. Uh, and again, that's a pretty notable or noteworthy uh, benchmark because it does sort of illustrate that 
that Americans are sort of really sort of feeling sort of good about how the economy is going and feeling more optimistic about what the economy is going to look like over the next, you know, six months to a year, uh, which I think is really helping sort of. Uh, and, and the stimulus money, which, you know, as Mallory said, may not all actually get back out into the economy to spur spending is still helping people because it's helping them with that ability to sort of feel like they can cover those basic needs, which allows them to, you know, to potentially take sort of more risky sort of things like look for a new job or get, you know, that home renovation that they perhaps needed but held off on for the last year. Well, and at the very least, it's translating into rosier outlooks, right? It's Regardless of whether you're holding on to money or not, it's it's money that you didn't have before. Yeah, it's definitely translating to rosier outlooks. Um, but, you know, it's not all rosy because we are still seeing the impact of partisanship uh, in consumer confidence playing out where Republicans through most of 2020 were more optimistic about the shape of the economy, now are less optimistic about the shape of the economy, um, you know, now that Biden's president and, and Democrats have flipped where Democrats are now much more optimistic. Um, and sort of the, the difference is that Republicans haven't fallen quite as far to the levels Democrats were at last year and independents generally have been moving up. Um, but, you know, there is a, a very clear sort of partisan slant driving consumer confidence, but all in all, you know, a pretty strong rally over the last two and a half months. Yeah, and that seems like an important point to make. I mean, as we discussed at the top, uh, the top two, really the top two issues for the public is the pandemic and the economy. And, you know, Chris, as you were saying, those two are very connected at this point in time, um, one year out from the, the really the beginning of the pandemic for much of the country. Um, so as those kind of issues recede and become just more of a settled matter for many people across the country. Mallory, I'm wondering if there are any issues that are re-emerging um, that, we, that were important pre-pandemic. Yeah, you know, I think we alluded to this a little bit at the beginning, um, but obviously with the, the recent news cycles and um, mass shootings and the like, I think there are two main issues that are starting to come more to the forefront and that's gun violence and immigration. Um, Sarah, you and I obviously talked all about gun violence last week, so I don't think we need to dive too deeply into that. Um, but one of the things I think it was Chris that pointed out at the beginning is um, that, you know, laser focus from the administration on COVID relief and the economy is certainly paying off in those arenas, but it, it seems like it may be a little bit at the expense of some of these other issues. So over the weekend, we released a poll with ABC News where we looked at President Biden's approval rating on a number of issues and found that there are two issues in particular, those two that I just mentioned, gun violence and immigration, where he's underwater right now, meaning a majority disapprove. Um, so we're starting to see these sort of huge divergences or these huge swings emerging in Biden's approval. Like it's overall steady, his overall approval rating related to COVID and the distribution of vaccines is steady and it's high. But as we start to kind of probe about some of these other issues, we're finding that 
there's a little bit of all over the map, right? So we've got like three quarters of Americans that approve of the job he's doing when it comes to the vaccine distribution. Uh, that's high. That's great that he actually gets a majority of Republican support on that. Now, at the same time, you have about 40 percent just over approving of the job that he's doing with the situation at the border and with gun violence. So a, a overall 30 point gulf between the two. And again, you know, um, he's losing Republicans significantly on those issues. Immigration in particular is an issue that Republicans have been laser focused on in the past few weeks and about nine and 10 disapprove of the job that the president's doing on this. And though he does have a majority of Democrats support on these issues, they're not as bullish about how he's handling it compared to how he's handling COVID and the economy. So I think we are perhaps nearing a tipping point where, like you said, Sarah, these, these issues that are really seen as strengths for the president may start to recede a little bit. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen overnight. And it's particularly not if we are in the midst of a fourth wave of COVID infections, which it seems like we are. Um, but there are some newer issues, some different issues coming to the forefront for Americans. And and frankly, I think the, the president has a little bit of room to grow on these. Yeah, I think that's right. And I mean, it, it'll be an interesting space to watch going forward just to see um, how Biden and the Biden administration manages um, approval, winning more approval from Democrats, shoring up his base, and also kind of bringing in some level of bipartisan support to see if he could buoy those approval numbers across some of those other second tier issues or the current second tier issues right now. Yeah, but, that's right. And yeah. well, and if you think too, like in his press conference last week, the president urged patience on these issues, you know, that we needed to tackle COVID and the economy and the stimulus first and patience on other things. And I'm curious to see if we continue tracking these or looking at it down the road, if Americans are willing to give him that leeway and willing to be patient. Definitely. I mean, it's it, we've been asking for patience for a long time. So, yeah, who, who knows what it'll look like moving forward. But there's one thing we do not have to be patient about, and that is opening day. It is uh, America's pastime. Uh, baseball is reemerging from the pandemic. Um, and I just wanted to give some space and on a lighter note and just talk about how Americans are feeling about that, how we all are feeling about that. So Chris, where where's the public on opening day? Chris has got all of his nanotubes stored up, ready to go. That's I know, right? That's very exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for baseball to be back. And I think it's actually a testament to sort of Americans sort of wanting to see things getting back to normal. When we asked in a recent survey uh, this week before opening day, if the public thought that stadiums should be open, very few people actually said 
no, very few people, you know, single digits uh, said that there should be no fans in the stands. The large majority of Americans, including the large majority of baseball fans, uh, do believe that fans should be allowed into the stands in some capacity. But I think to uh, that sort of wait and see approach we were talking about a few weeks ago that the American people still kind of have, the majority of people were taking a sort of a bit of a moderate approach saying that there should be something like 25 to 50% capacity um, that, you know, it should definitely not be over half of the fans uh, allowed in the stands. And I think that, you know, speaks to people wanting to be able to start getting back to normal, wanting to be able to do some of these traditional pastimes of the spring and summer. You know, for me personally, the idea of having a beer and a hot dog, you know, sitting out in the sun watching the Nats play sounds kind of like a version of heaven at the moment. (laughs) Um, So like, I I find, I understand the appeal, but people are still, you know, pretty cautious, right? People don't want to go back and be packed in cheek to jowl uh, with other people. And I think that that is that is sort of where we are as a country is people want to get back to normal, but they're they're they understand that it's not necessarily here yet. And there's still maybe some time that needs to be to be uh, remaining. And I think people are willing to, uh, you know, to have to have some some hurdles that have to be given getting over. Right. Like, uh I can't remember, Mallory, what the numbers were offhand, but like a lot of people actually support the idea of showing back proof of vaccination before being allowed back into the stands. Yeah, that was the most striking thing to me, Chris, is you have a strong majority of Americans that support either having to show that you've got a negative test or show that you've been vaccinated. And that's people across the board, you know, regardless of your gender, regardless of the region of the country you live in, your age, your education level, et cetera. Um, I think the only group that where a majority were in opposition were Republicans. So, you know, in a weird way, honestly, it's sort of like this poll and opening day is a, is a good analogy for our new normal. Americans are eager. We want to reemerge. We want to get back out, but we're not about to throw all caution to the wind, right? And our new normal looks quite a bit different, right? But like, if, if Chris can go have his beer and hot dog at Nats Park, if I can go, you know, find one of those they have all kinds of food at Nats Park. I'm not a hot dog lady myself, but if I can go find some tasty snacks at Nats Park and I have to bring my vaccination form with me, cool. So be it. You're still out in the sunshine enjoying something that seems to be a little bit, uh, dare I say, normal. Yeah. In summary, <laughs> bring your vaccination card and your baseball cards to opening day. That is what people want. They want They want both. Um so it'll definitely be an interesting thing to track moving forward, how how this like poses as a test case for other instances of reopening. It's so true. I never would have guessed that it would have been baseball that would have brought the nation closer to consensus around a, the prospect even of a vaccine passport. <laughs> um, Baseball's America. It's like apple pie. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, that's all we have time for today. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in and listening. Don't miss next week's um, Point Being podcast for the latest and greatest rundown on the polls. Beyond that, you can follow our latest data releases on the Ipsos News and Polls website. And you can, of course, find us on Twitter at Ipsos US.
I'm Kate Morris, and you can find me on Twitter at Callison Morris. Chris Jackson. No, sorry, Sarah. Chris Chris Jackson, (laughs) JCB Jackson. Sarah Feldman, not on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) The smart one. I'm Mallory Newell at Mallory Kate and maybe starting a campaign to get Sarah on Twitter. (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs) Have a good one.